Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Welcome to Easter Sunday, which is the day that we celebrate the resurrection. So it's it's great to be celebrating. I'm getting used to preaching like this, and I guess you're getting used to listening like this. But I really believe that the Holy Spirit has something to say to each of us, whether you are uh, part of the Granary Church, whether you're joining the church, whether you're someone from somewhere else. It's great to have you here today. And I know that as you focus on what the resurrection of Jesus means it will bring transformation into your life, whether you've known him for a long time or whether this is your first time of really experiencing what knowing Jesus and following Jesus and putting your faith and trust in him is all about. So I want to start off by reading today from 1 Corinthians 15. So Corinthians, 1 Corinthians is one of the letters in the Bible that Paul, one of the great apostles, the church planters of the early church, wrote to the church in Corinth. And he's writing particularly about the resurrect from the dead and what it actually means. And, and I really would hope as you listen to this that you focus on the incredible story that he is telling. He is, he's a very intelligent man. He's a man who has had a great position in society. He used to persecute Christians and then he encountered Jesus. So what he says is pivotal because the resurrection is the point of history where everything turns around. And from then, from the day of the resurrection, Everything began to change in the world. So get out your Bible and uh, or your phone as I read this. It just excerpts from 1 Corinthians 15. So it says this, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of him are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it's all because of God, because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. So what does all this mean? So I want to start off with something that says in verse 2, where it says, if this good news that saves you, if this good news, and that is that Christ died and was raised from the dead, saves you, if you continue to believe the message, what does it mean that it saves you? Sometimes you hear people make fun of Christians talking about being saved or being born again. And it's kind of understandable that people make fun of it because it sounds like an unusual thing. So we really need to understand what it means. When people mock it, it's because they don't understand what they're talking about. So the word saved 
is similar to the word being rescued. And so what Jesus is doing through his death and his resurrection, this is what we are celebrating today, is this divine rescue plan. So how are we being rescued? Well, several years ago, actually, when my children were little, uh, we had a cat, and Gray, my husband, is not particularly fond of cats. It's not the favourite pet of his. And uh, and I was away with one of my boys on a Canberra school excursion, and he was at home, and our son Caleb wanted to make a candle holder out of the bottom of a, a plastic bottle. So he made the candle holder, and when he was going to bed that night, he wanted to light his candle on the little table next to his bed. So he did that, and Graham thought he'd just lie down for a bit um, while he, Caleb was drifting off to sleep, and um, he lay down and he fell into a deep sleep. The next thing he knows, this ginger cat is jumping up on him and he kept pushing it off and the cat would come and jump up again and he'd push it off because he thought it was an annoying cat. And suddenly he woke up and he realised something was wrong. The cat was trying to tell him something was wrong, which is quite amazing. It was a very intelligent cat, that cat. And uh, he realised that the little candle on, um, on the bed next to Caleb's, on the table next to Caleb's bed, had actually got burnt right down onto the wooden table and the table was burning and he was able to put the fire out and rescue Caleb. Caleb was fast asleep. So Caleb at this stage didn't know that he needed rescuing. Because he was asleep, he didn't know he needed rescuing and he was unable to rescue himself and he needed someone stronger who was awake to come and rescue him. And it's like that for each one of us. We live in this world and it's like it's all we've known. But there is this deep longing and yearning in your heart. It's like, you know, when you're in a, in a, dr a dream and you're trying to run and, and you can't run, but you know you should be able to run or you're trying to get somewhere on time and you, you can't do it, and but you know you should be able to get there on time. And I, I think we all live like that. There's something in us that we yearn for it's like if you read in Romans chapter 7, it talks about the things that we want to do, we don't always want to do, and the things that we don't want to do, we do do. And we live in this constant tension. And what this is called is living in a, in a world that's that's ruled by sin. Because sometimes you think sin is just a bad act. Sin is not just a bad act. Sin is a state that we live in where we're trying to do everything by ourselves and we're living under, under the power of this. In fact, the Bible says we are slaves to it. But deep in every human heart is a yearning for something more. And that was planted in you from when you were born because you are created in the image of God and you are designed for something more. And so Jesus comes to rescue us from that into, it says, it describes it in the Bible as being rescued from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He's come to rescue you from one kingdom to another. And that's why it says in Ephesians 4, a, a very unusual verse where it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. A strange verse. But what it's saying is this, is he took you captive and, and people think, well, why is he taking me captive? Am I now a prisoner? In a way, but a prisoner you want to be because he has rescued you. So it's like he's invaded. When, when Jesus came to the earth, he invaded this messy world that we live in. He brought the kingdom of heaven into this world. And everywhere he went, people saw glimpses of the kingdom of heaven. They saw people being healed, people being restored, people being forgiven, people being loved, people being valued, people being raised from the dead. They saw extraordinary things because heaven came to earth. And so what he's done is he's come to earth. He's come into this kingdom of, of darkness and there is so much darkness around us. We see it at the moment. 
He comes into this kingdom of darkness and he rescues us. He has this divine rescue plan to bring us out of the darkness into his kingdom of light. And at this stage in history, we get to live in his kingdom of light in the middle of this world that we live in. And so when it says in Ephesians 4, he ascended on high and he took many captives, that can be the people who want to be, that is the people who want to be rescued, who call out to him and say, rescue me. And then it says he gives gifts to his people. He gives gifts from his Holy Spirit so that we can be people who bring heaven to earth in this world right now. So how does that, like, see, you might get that, but then you think, well, how does his death and resurrection actually rescue us? What is it about dying on the cross and rising again that rescues us? So just back to 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul says this, I passed on to you what was most important. This is, this is we need to grasp it. This is not just a philosophy like any other religion. This is a pivotal turning point of history. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. That's the first thing. So when Jesus hung on the cross, the Bible talks about him becoming a curse for us uh, because he's sinless but he takes upon himself the sin of the world. That's why it's very important that right to the very end, he never sins. He he never criticizes. He forgives right to the very end. He carries the weight of your sin and my sin. He carries the weight of the things that have been done to you, that have wounded you. He carries the weight of your shame, the things that we don't want anyone to know about us, the things that we like to hide about ourselves. He carries the weight of all of that. And he dies because the the scriptures say that the wages of sin is death. So he dies. But then he, just as the scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. The third day is important because for the Jewish people, and, and really for all of us, that we know that after three days, someone is dead and they believe that their soul had left their body. So important to know that he was raised from the dead on the third day. But what this shows is that if the wages of sin is death, which it is, if for everyone who lives in sin, death is the result. When Jesus rose from the dead, death was defeated. Death could not hold him down. It's like he, he went to the cross and, and it's like the enemy had a great plan to destroy him, the son of God, and he died on the cross. But he, but he had a greater power than death. It's like when you, when you see a movie and you think that the hero has died, but suddenly he emerges over the horizon. You have this great sense of joy and anticipation that everything is going to be all right. And it's the same. When Jesus rises from the dead, it's so important to understand that he didn't just rise from the dead to say, um, you can go to heaven one day. He is defeating the power of death. And when we come, it's like going through this, COVID-19 situation, we start to work out, it's like it clears the air a little bit and you start to work out what really matters and what we really hate. And what we've realised in this, what you'll see in this is that we life really matters. We see the whole world shutting down to save lives. Life really matters. And the opposite side of that is that we hate death and death really hurts. And for those of us who've lost people, We know death really hurts when we read stories about people who've lost people. Death really hurts. We were not created for death. And even though we have a hope that we will be with Jesus when we die and that gives us that assurance and we have no fear of death, the fact is that death 
is something we dislike and Jesus dislikes it as well. And that's why he died to defeat the power of death. And once the power of death is defeated, everything changes. Everything changes. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56, For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death. He gives you victory. He has got the victory over sin and death. But now, as you come to put your faith in him, he gives you victory over sin and death. That's why it says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? So Jesus rescues you because if you were living in the kingdom of darkness under the power of sin, doing things your own way, trying to work things out with very good intentions, trying to work things out by yourself, you're still living in a realm of darkness which ends in death. So Jesus came and by his death, he defeated the power of death and rising again, he, pr- he proved that death has no holds on him. So what does that mean for us today? You may be at this stage and thinking, I don't get this. And this is because you are trying to fit this into the current worldview that you have. C.S. Lewis writes, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. And so what I'm encouraging us all to do today is to look up that I believe that if, um, as N.T. Wright says, if death is defeated and Christ is risen, then there is a new way of living which presents as a whole new worldview. If death is defeated and Christ has risen again, there is a new way of living which presents as a whole new worldview. It's like when we bought this house that I'm living in, we came to look through it and it needed a lot of work and my brother who's a builder came in and looked through the house with us and he said what this house really needs is light you don't want to live in a house a lot of the rooms were dingy and dark and he said you need light and light became our focus what we were going to what we so there was many things that could have been the focus in this house what we were going to paint it and where we'd put the furniture but he said to me that like what you've got to work out is you want light in this house and because uh, we wanted light in this house that meant that we were going to change a lot of things we're going to move the kitchen from downstairs to upstairs because that's where there was more light we're going to have particular sorts of windows because that's the, that's where there was more light and because we just focused on light Everything else kind of worked itself around it and came into perspective as to how we should do the house. And it meant that we were living in in light. So we we made one thing our focus. Luciano Pavarotti, the great tenor, uh, said that when he was a child, there was a man in his village who recognised that he had a beautiful voice and started to teach him singing. So he's le- learning singing from this man in his village. And he's, as he grew up, he also wanted to enrol in teacher's college. And he said to his father, should I be a teacher or should I be a singer? And his father said to him, Luciano, if you try to sit on two chairs, you will fall between them. For life, you must choose one chair. And what I believe is this, that many of us, even as Christians, are not focusing on the resurrection in the way that we could and should if we want to see amazing life within us and through us. It's like we know Jesus rose from the dead and we know that means we'll go to heaven when we die 
and we forget the rich treasure that we have. And today on this Easter day, I want to call us all to focus on what this resurrection really means. It says in verse 20 in 1 Corinthians 15, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So what this means is far more than you going to heaven when you die, which is fabulous, but it means far more than that because it says he is the first of a great harvest. He is the first. So what it means is this. Christ has been raised from the dead, defeated the power of sin and death, and then he he offers to you and to me an invitation to stop living life for ourselves and to be filled with his spirit to be born again. In 21, verse 21, it says, So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. So you come to Jesus and the resurrection from the dead that comes into you by his Holy Spirit and you become a new creation. It says in the scriptures, the old creation is gone. There was an old you. Praise God, it's gone. Because the old you is you trying to be something that you can never be. The new you is you being filled with the Spirit of God and you becoming the person that you were created to be as you trust in the in the Father's love for you, as you trust in the Spirit to transform you, as you trust in Jesus to walk with you and talk with you and lead you and you follow him so that you can become the person that you are called to be. But the key is this. In John 5, 21, it says, Just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. So when Jesus died on the cross, when they buried him, he was dead. That might seem obvious to you, but there's a key in this. When they buried him, he was dead. It means that he was unable to raise himself from the dead. And so in John 5, 21, when it says, Just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, To find this new life, and I'm talking to you who know him and you who are yet to know him, to find this new life every day means coming to him and surrendering everything as if you were dead. You give up trying to do everything because you're trusting totally in his power and his love. And just as the Father raised Jesus from the dead, you come to him every day and you say, Father, fill me with your spirit. I don't want to do any of this in my own strength. Fill me. And so it says the son gives life to anyone he wants. Now, when it says anyone he wants, it doesn't mean like choosing a sporting team and I'll have you, but I won't have you. It means that whatever uh, reason you have that you may not be worthy of this, it, it holds no weight with him. He will give it to you because you come to him. That's the only reason that he will give it to you is because you come to him and he loves you. You are helpless to find this new life for yourself. It's a free gift from the Father in heaven. And so what happens now, what it means right now is that you are a new creation. If you've given your life to him, if you've you've allowed him to rescue you, you've put your faith and trust in him, he's filled you with with his spirit, you are a new creation. The old has gone, new things have come. Right now you are a new creation and your resurrection life has begun and you begin like a baby or a child. You don't get it all right on the first day, but you follow him intently and resurrection becomes a way of thinking and living and speaking. It's like I live and speak and think resurrectionally, if that's a word, which it probably isn't. So that might help you remember it. You live and think and speak resurrectionally. And so what what does that mean? It's like um, in 1 Corinthians 13, it's a famous chapter about love, and it starts off by saying, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm nothing. In other words, 
there is a language of a resurrection person and it's the language of heaven, which is the language of love. And you start speaking differently. You don't criticize and condemn and judge. You start to speak with words of love and encouragement and wisdom. You have wisdom. You have uh, great ideas that you speak out. You have time where you think and you listen to the Holy Spirit because you'll start to speak his words into the world around you. That's how you speak resurrectionally. You think resurrectionally. You read it in um, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand, since you've been raised to new life with Christ. So if you're listening today and you know that you've been raised to new life with Christ, are you like Pavarotti's father was saying, trying to sit on two chairs? Or are you intentionally looking at the realities of heaven in order that you can bring them into the world around you? Think about the things of heaven, it says, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You have a new way of thinking. And it's not just because you're thinking you're not being realistic about what's going on around you. You are totally realistic about what's going on around you. And you are, have the privilege of bringing heaven into what's going on around you. You're thinking of, of the, the thoughts of heaven, the purity of heaven, the creativity of heaven, the wisdom of heaven, the inventions of heaven. You have the ability now to bring them into the world around you. It's the most amazing way that we can live. And, and for many of us as Christians, we take this so lightly. We just kind of live a, a normal life, not, fo- not spending time focusing on the realities, not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives. Christ died for you. He was raised again. And sometimes we treat it with almost contempt because we don't realize the incredible gift that we have been given. So what do we do with it now? Here we are, many of us in isolation. We're living in isolation here in our house pretty much. An exciting outing is um, Cole's Supermarket or Aldi. But then at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, um, Paul says this, but whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. So what he's saying is this, I'm being transformed And I'm becoming someone that I never thought I could become. And he's saying, whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out his special favor on me. And what I want you to know today is that we celebrate today the day that God poured out his special favor on you, on you. And right now he's calling your name. He's saying, I'm pouring out my special favor on you. Will you receive it? Will you live resurrectionally? Will you think as a resurrection person? one who knows that death has been defeated? Will you speak as a resurrection person, one who has the language of heaven? Will you live as a resurrection person, one who lives as Jesus lives, bringing life and hope to others? So Paul says this, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. You need to be strong and immovable because there's a lot of things happening in the world that will make you question things, be unsure of things. Remember this. Jesus said that we would go through trouble and we are going through trouble at the moment and that's why the world needs people who have hope, who are strong and immovable. I'm going to pray in a moment that that will be you. He says, always work enthusiastically for the Lord for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So you might think, well, I'm at home. I can't get out very much. What can I do? 
And even when we do get out of this, what can I do? Because we often see ourselves as, as very um, small and insignificant. Well, last year, when we could all still travel, Graham and I uh, were in London and we visited St. Paul's Cathedral, a most magnificent cathedral built in the 1770, 1700s sorry, by Christopher Wren. And as you walk through that cathedral and you take time looking, you just look at it from the outside and it's a magnificent structure. But as you spend time going through it, you find incredible, intricate details. You find mosaics and you find sculptures and you find artwork. You find verses from scripture. You find stained glass windows and all together it creates a beautiful whole but when you look at each one of those things some of those little sculptures and those little mosaics were done by one craftsman just one craftsman who could have spent several years pulling that together but giving it his or her all and I believe for each one of us who are resurrection people God has given us something to do and some of the things that we do might feel like a tiny little thing that you are just chipping away at for a long time but in the fulfillment of time you will see the magnificent part you had to play in God's great plan and that's why he says always work enthusiastically for the Lord for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless the smallest thing you do, the, the phone call, the, the, the cooking, the good idea you had, the verse of encouragement, the smallest thing you do is never useless. And for each one of us now, as we go through COVID-19, I totally believe that if you spent the, even the morning just saying to the Father, here I am, here I am, I am your born again, a resurrected child of God who one day will spend eternity with you in a glorious transformed body. But you've placed me here now in the middle of the mess, just as you sent Jesus into the middle of the mess to bring heaven into this world. What would you have me do today, Father? That's, that's what he wants us to do. So I'd like to take a moment and pray for us all. I know that today, um, wherever you are, there are things going on in the world which seem too big for you and me to know how to deal with. And that's the truth. That's why we have a whole, the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells within us. So I want to pray for you today. For those of you who may never have given your life to Christ, you may even believe that Jesus lived and died, but you've never come and surrendered your life to him as if you were dead. As if you were dead means you can't do anything for yourself. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, I believe today he's saying, Focus just on me, listen to me, and you will be amazed at who I will transform you into and what I will use you to do to bring transformation and life to the world around you. So let's take a moment. I invite you to close your eyes. And if you'd like to, put your hands in front of you. It's just a gesture to say, I want to receive from you today, Lord. Just put your hands in front of you. Let's close your eyes and take a deep breath. As you take a deep breath, say, Thank you, Father. Thank you for Jesus' death on the cross. That he carried the weight of my sin, my shame, my brokenness. Thank you, Jesus. And that it was all paid for. It was all defeated. Thank you for the resurrection from the dead, which has shown that death has no power over me. Sin has no power over me. And I come to you today, Father. And I give up trying to do everything, trying to solve situations, trying to be someone that I want to be, but I don't know how to be that person, trying to make a difference in the world in my own strength. And I invite you 
to come into my life by your Holy Spirit. Have mercy on me, Lord, for the things that I've done that's so dishonouring to you. And thank you that as I come to you, you wash away my sin and my shame and my brokenness and you lift me up. Just for a moment, just imagine Jesus lifting you up, filling you with his spirit, breathing new life into you, that you are a new creation. If you're praying this prayer for the first time, just cry out to the Lord from the depth of your being and say, here I am, Lord, I give my life to you. I repent of, of my sins and I give my life to you. And if you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, come to him and say, Father, I want to know you more today. I want to be filled afresh with you. I want to live focused just on you. May I be someone who lives resurrectionally, thinks resurrectionally, speaks resurrectionally, brings light into the world. Pray that from your own heart for a moment. And now say, Father, please speak to me. By your spirit within me, speak to me. And tell me, even just today, one thing you'd love me to do, to be your voice, to be your hands, to be your feet into this world. Tell me one thing. Thank you for life. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for trusting us with your mission into this world. May we be people who live for your glory. You reveal your love and live in your power every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.